And the reading for today is from Galatians, Galatians 3, 23, 47. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, uh, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Amen. Thank you. Can I, I pray for you before, before we start? You've dried up somewhat. <laughs> Almighty God, you are a faithful God. And we honour you and worship you. Father, pour out your spirit now upon them. Stir your spirit within them. That we may hear your words. That we may hear your heart. Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Amen, Rob. Thank you so much. So we're going to continue uh, so reading this letter uh, in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul to uh, the Galatians, church in Galatia. And uh, it seems a very appropriate passage for today for a baptism. And um, we're going to delve into this together a little bit. Now I'm wondering, uh, if, can anyone remember what it was like to be a teenager? <laughs> like it was yesterday. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you know, we all have different experiences of being a teenager, but you know, it's that difficult in-between age, isn't it? Uh, maybe you've got kids who've been through it, um, and so on. And uh, it's that age where you're not a child anymore, but you're not there yet. Dad still drives the car, <laughs> and you're still dependent on mum and dad. Uh, but you might be a bit frustrated with them. They, uh, you might start to question their authority. You might be looking for when you are free, for when you are independent. But you're not quite there yet. It can be a difficult time. Uh, you want to grow, join in with the adults, but you're not quite able to really. There's all the stuff you can't do yet. It's that in-between age. What was your teenager experience like? Were you, anyone a rebellious teenager? No, surely not you, Glenn, no. <laughs> yeah, 
One of some of us were rebellious teenagers. Uh, maybe you were very good. I don't know. But you know, it can be that difficult age. Now, being a teenager is a new kind of concept. They didn't have this idea in the ancient world. They didn't have this idea 2,000 years ago when this uh, letter was written. So, so Paul doesn't use that image, but he does use uh, the image of a child of uh, the estate, if you like, who is set to inherit from his father. And he, and he describes someone who is underage. You know that feeling, you're underage, you're in your castle, you really always used to find the pubs where you could go in underage, and you knew you could get served underage. You weren't supposed to, though. But when you're underage, there's all that stuff you can't do, you can't vote, you can't drive, and you can't drink, or you're not supposed to, all that sort of thing. Well, Paul talks about those who are underage in their estate, and if they're underage, they don't yet inherit what they're set to inherit from their father. You, you, there's a famous story called the parable of the prodigal son. And in that story, there's the father and two sons. And they're set to inherit from father. In fact, one of them uh, wants to in, get his inheritance early. But those who uh, are set to inherit, if they, ha they haven't got it yet, what Paul says here is, is they're kind of just, just the same as one of the servants in the household. Then their, their status so far is, is no better. They are subject, he says, to guardians and trustees until the time set by their father. They're in that frustrating time. They're under age. Paul says that when you're under age, it's like mm, you're subject, he calls it, to the ways of the world, elemental spirits. It's like the ways of the world. You're kind of stuck there. Oh, and he uses this picture to describe that when, when Christ died for us, it's like we then come of age. Then we're free. Dad gives us the keys to the car. And we can now drive. We can now vote. We can go out and live our lives. Tony, we had a discussion uh, last week about what to wear. And uh, we just, just talked about this morning as well. And we did have a brief conversation, actually, about swimming trunks, didn't we? Um, but we decided not to go down that road after much deliberation. And it was probably for the best. <laughs> but you've now got a change of clothes on. I've got a change of clothes on. Uh, but we were fully clothed when we went down into the baptistry. And, uh, and yet, had you not been fully clothed, you'd have still been clothed. Because this passage says that you are now clothed with Jesus Christ. It says that those who are baptized into Christ are clothed with Jesus Christ. Now your clothes, they're the things that are closest to your skin, aren't they? Now I give my wife a hug, but my, my clothes are still closer to me. And actually, when we through faith, come into a relationship with God. And Jesus Christ comes closer to us than anything else. It's like we put him on as our clothes. We might look the same externally, but our clothes have changed. We're wearing Jesus Christ. You might 
Tony, you, you know, you gave your testimony and, and all the rest of it. And you might be tempted to think, well, you know, I, I'm just getting started in the Christian life. I've just, just got baptised. There are others who are here, have, they've been Christians for far longer than me. They know far more than me. You know, so-and-so has been a Christian 50 years. They got baptised years ago and so on. I want to tell you, if that voice comes to you, just disregard it. Because we're all one in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian 50 years or one day, you're all one in Christ Jesus. We're all on the same level. There's no first class or second class Christians. There's no one any more more important than anybody else. We're all in it together. We're told here we're all one in Christ Jesus. In fact, in describing that, Paul says an incredible thing. He says, uh, you're baptised, you've clothed yourselves with Christ, and he says this, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male nor female. You're all one in Christ. Now, this was a radical statement to make. For centuries, the Jewish people had thought, we're the chosen ones, we're special, everybody else are just a bunch of pagans. That is what they thought. Now he's saying through Christ, there's no difference, Jew or Gentile. (coughs) It was a world uh, built on slavery. Roman Empire, built on slavery. And yet he says, whether you're a slave or free, there's no difference in Christ. It was a world that was male-dominated, and women often seen as the possession of men. And yet he says, through Christ, there's no male or female. Radical statement to make 2,000 years ago, wasn't it? Now, of course, there are differences, and we can clearly see that. We might have different color skin. There's so many diverse things that set us apart in our world today, as there was in Paul's world. He's not saying we're not different, but in terms of our status, we are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's because when he died, and we accepted him in our lives through faith, It's like we came of age and we all ended up on the same uh, playing field, as it were. I've got a son. And uh, just this morning, actually, he was saying to me, you know, I used to think, Dad, that you you would play with me on, on Minecraft. And he says, you've got a lot of explaining to do. Just this morning over breakfast, he said that to me. And he was joking because he knows I'm rubbish at playing Minecraft. It's a computer game that he's really into. If I do, it's just purely to to just watch what he does because he knows what he's doing. I haven't got a clue. But if I said to my son, Aidan, let's play on Minecraft together. If I said to him, do you know what? After that, let's get hot chocolate. Let's do something nice together. Uh, and maybe let's sit down and watch Star Wars. I know he loves Star Wars. <laughs> and what about after that? I say, do you know what? Um, let's buy another computer game. We'll go online and we'll get you another computer. Now, what's he going to say? See, I know he loves all those things. What is he, what's he going to say? <laughs> now, I want you to imagine for a second. My son, you might not know him, but just imagine that he says this to me. Father. 
I'm so touched that you might consider me worthy to receive some of your time. And while it might be, might seem like a good idea for us to play together on Minecraft, might be quite nice, I guess, to have a hot chocolate with you. And yes, okay, another computer game. To be honest, Father, I feel that your needs are better spent elsewhere. Others need you more than I do. For me, it is sufficient, Father, to know that you are my Father. And I have this birth certificate to prove that you are indeed my father. You may now go and tend to the needs of somebody else. Now, would my son say that to me? Of course not. It's totally ridiculous. In this passage, we're told that when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the spirit of Jesus Christ comes into our hearts. And the Spirit of Jesus Christ cries out, Abba, Father. Now you might think, Abba, I know what you're thinking. We're not talking Mamma Mia here. <laughs> it's an old, ancient word from an old language that they used to speak at that time, Aramaic. And it literally means dad or daddy. It's a familiar household term. It's not a formal word. Dad. When Jesus was at his worst hour, in his darkest hour, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was facing the prospect of going to die on a cross. And he knew that he was not only going to be carrying the cross to the hill where he was going to be put to death, executed like a terrible criminal. He knew that he would also be carrying the weight of the sin of all humanity on his shoulders. He would become a curse on our behalf. He was facing that prospect in the Garden of Gethsemane. And at that moment in his story, you can read about it in the Gospels, his friends deserted him. Jesus had friends, Peter, James, John, and all the others. And they, let, they just let him down at that point. He tried to get them to stay awake. They just couldn't. They just couldn't hang on in there. And Jesus was in such anguish. It was his darkest moment, his hour of need. And what did he cry out? He cried out, Abba, Father. He cried out to Father God, Daddy. And Jesus cried that out by the Holy Spirit in him. And the astonishing, remarkable thing is that through your faith in Christ Jesus, his spirit comes and lives in you. And guess what you can cry out? Abba Father. Daddy God. And why is it when we pray, we often sound like my fake son? Father. Right? We think we've got to be terribly formal. We pray from a distance. We think if, we, if there's a God out there, well, I, he's not going to be interested in me. He's got other people he wants to deal with more than he wants to deal with me. That is a lie. Because he's your father. And he loves you. And he does want to spend time with you. And he does want to buy you a new computer again. <laughs> okay, maybe not. <laughs> They're quite expensive. 
God has set his spirit in you. And Paul describes this as receiving adoption to sonship. Now, if you are naturally born, right, guess what happens? Mom and dad have a special cuddle. Nine months later, you come out. I'm told that's how it happens. And if you're a parent, what comes out is what comes out. <laughs> okay? But if you're adopted, you've been chosen. And your adoptive parents, they knew what you looked like. They knew your name. They, they, they could see you and they chose you. In the ancient world, there would sometimes be rich men. Uh, and rich men would have land, they would have property. But imagine that rich man, and this would happen, had no children. Well, who's going to inherit when he dies? So what he would do is he would uh, take a, a, a servant in his household, a slave, and he would say, I want to adopt you as my son. And you're going to now become a free man. And you are going to inherit the whole estate. Because what's the point? having all that money, all that land, property, if when you die, who's it going to go to? So he wanted to carry it on, so he adopts. God adopted you. God adopted you. And he chose you, and he knew what you're like. He knew the way you look. He knew your name. And he called you, and he chose you, and he adopted you to sonship. You might say, well, hang on a minute, sonship? I'm a daughter. I'm a female. That makes no sense to me. The thing is, in the ancient world, it was the sons who would receive the estate. And so, Paul says, there's neither male nor female. Male and female, everybody inherits, right? Everybody receives this spirit of sonship. The waters of baptism, that we described it earlier, uh, as, as the way you... It represents Christ washing you clean of your sins. Yeah? Uh, uh, and that's incredible. And that's why Jesus died. He died that we might be forgiven. But he didn't just die that we might be forgiven. He died to give us freedom as well. And that we could enjoy the freedom of being a true son of God. And so the conclusion of this passage is that you are no longer a slave. But you are God's child, God's son. And since you are his child, you are also his heir. Do you know, it's possible to live the Christian life in a way that says, well, I know my sins are forgiven. But I think that's it. But let me tell you, that's not it. That's only half the story. Christ died to buy us our freedom. He chose us, he adopted us to come into freedom. Joe, in the United States, in many ways, it was a, a country built on slavery. Well, then they abolished slavery. You know, I've heard stories of slaves who, although they were declared free, they decided they wanted to carry on living as slaves because it was familiar. Freedom is scary. It's like the teenager who never really wants to leave home. Well, I know I feel secure here. I'm going to stay here. I know what, where things are. Actually, you need to get out. 
So you get out and live your life. Make your own decisions, make your own mistakes. Freedom is scary. Sometimes we prefer that slavery. I, in my previous church, and I'm safe saying this because I know this guy will not be watching this. But in my previous church, there was someone who came along to the church for a little while. And he said, uh, you know what? Oh, I met up with him. He said, I'm looking for the kind of pastor who will tell me what music to listen to. Well, jazz is the obvious answer to that question, right? But he, he, he was so all about the rules and regulations. He wanted to be told what music to listen to. What? Some people love slavery. Some people love rules and regulations because they feel safe. They like to be told what to think. Well, I'm sorry, Jesus died to free you up from all that. So that you don't have to be told what to think. So you can go out and live your life and make your own mistakes. Now, the slave trade does not exist anymore in this country. Hallelujah. There is still slavery in our world. There's people trapping in all sorts. But slave trade doesn't exist anymore. But yet you can still live as a slave. Even though Christ died for you. We can live kind of slave to other people's opinions. We can live slave to expectations, whether it's our own or other people's. We can live slave to an addiction. You know, it's got a hold of us. And every time we fall into it again, that addiction laughs at us. That's not who you are in Christ. Jesus died to set you free. And that freedom is so precious. So I want to ask you today, are you a slave or are you a son? And if you are a son, through your faith, are you living like one? The Christian life is about discovering the inheritance God has given us. And it's way more than all we can ask or imagine. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much for this day. That we can come together and focus on Jesus. Who died and rose again. And thank you that you've... Thank you that you're here. And thank you that Holy Spirit... You're right here in our hearts, stirring up in us fire. And I pray more, Lord. You're stirring up in us freedom. And I pray more, Lord. We want to walk into what you've bought for us through the death on the cross. We want to enter into sonship today. thank you that we can call you Father. Thank you that we can call you Father. Thank you that we can call you Daddy. Lord, I'm conscious that I've got so... I don't know. I, I just haven't grasped it all yet. so much more that you have in store. I'm sorry that I've shortchanged myself so many times. Lord, I'm sorry. 
Thank you that your word says I'm no longer a slave. But that I'm a son of the Most High God. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We're going to sing, and uh, we may, may know this song, we may not know it so well. Um, all these songs might be unfamiliar to you if you're visiting. And, just let it kind of wash over you if that's the case but we're going to sing this song it declares that we are no longer slaves 